Cool. So thanks to everyone joining us today. So uh, I'm Darren. Uh, I'm our head of account management and customer success here at HackerJob. For those that don't know anything about HackerJob, what we do as a business is we are a platform for engineers, primarily in the UK, to come onto the platform, verify their skills with the view of that we will introduce them to some of the um, best companies to work for. I've been at HackerJob for the last three and a half years. I'm delighted that we're joined by Jelly Alex, who's one of the sourcing specialists at GitLab. Jelly, do you want to introduce yourself and, and give a bit yeah. of an uh, idea yeah. about what you do? Of course, yeah. Uh, first, thanks for having me, Darren. Uh, really excited to chat with you today. Um, my name's JD. As uh, Darren mentioned, I am part of the recruiting team uh, at GitLab as a sourcing specialist. Currently, kind of spread out throughout all areas of sourcing during the, the lockdown. Uh, but my main focus is customer success, um, sales, and uh, marketing. With customer success, we do have some technical backgrounds as far as um, solutions architects. We're at GitLab, our solutions architects or our sales engineers have a very technical background. But I have been in the tech startup world now for like five-ish years. I'm on my third startup here at GitLab. Before this, I was at Zoom Video Communications. And before that, I was at a uh, Bay Area startup known as NC Fit, which is a corporate wellness organization. And yeah, that uh, brings us to today. I've been at GitLab now for a little over a year and a half. Majority of my background is in sales, uh, and I've made the move to uh, recruiting, something I've always wanted to be a part of uh, over the last year. Nice. So I guess um, just to make sure that this is evergreen content, um, just give people an idea. We're currently in May um, 2020, um, going through the COVID pandemic. So just give context about anything to go through today from a perspective of when we talk about what's going on in the world from a, oh, yeah. uh, from a, a perspective. So I guess, I guess let's start there. So from your side, and obviously I'm in the UK, you're in, in the US. So we're probably experiencing stuff a little bit different. Mm-hmm. From a personal perspective, how has this affected both y- yourself and also the, the work you're doing? So if anyone doesn't know, GitLab is the world's largest fully distributed, fully remote organization. We have over 1,200 people uh, in over 65 different countries globally. We're a completely asynchronous company, um, no office space. Um, I believe our address is a PO box owned by our uh, CEO, Sid. So prior to this, I was already working remotely. And over the last few weeks, uh, we've started to, my wife who also works remotely, we've started to realize that the mental aspect of working remotely and working remotely while on lockdown are completely different. Whereas at the beginning, when people would ask, oh, this isn't really a big change for you, I was 100% in agreement. I said, yeah, this isn't really changing much. We work remote every day, so on, so on, so on. But the more that it builds and the more that lockdown continues, uh, kind of finding it harder to maintain like mental focus and clarity on the day-to-day tasks because they seem either monotonous or they seem maybe not as important. And as far as work goes, because... And I don't mean that in a way to say that I'm not thankful that I have a job because I know globally so many people don't. So I'm extremely thankful that not only myself, but my wife as well still are able to work. But outside of work, those issues are starting to affect work where they never did before. You know, mentally, like you can't, I know this sounds strange, but like you can't go out and visit your friends or your family. Uh, You can't have meetups at a coffee shop or a pub or 
uh, get a burger with someone. Um, you can't escape really to go anywhere. So I think that idea of checking your quote unquote baggage or your personal life at the door before you start work yeah. is becoming more and more difficult. And you may have mentioned actually, but uh, I might missed it, but you live in a pretty beautiful part of the world where yeah. I suspect you actually get out quite a lot to do, uh, to do like stuff like biking and, and probably oh, yeah. some skiing involved in your normal life. Whereas right now that isn't even a possibility, I suspect. Exactly. Um, I always try to set my camera up so you can see it, but it's just like, <laughs> I'm going to complain right now because the sun is so perfectly coming out. But behind yeah. me, I live, I live in Deschutes National Forest. It's a national forest here in the U.S. Um, and it just so happens that the home that I live in and the little area that I live in was uh, built before it was de uh, declared a national forest. Uh, yeah, I'm surrounded by mountains, water, and, uh, and like a really massive forest. Um, filled with some of the most famous mountain biking trails in the country. Um, and so, yeah, I can ride out my back door and be riding a trail, running a trail um, for hundreds of miles. Uh, wow. And then we have the top, if not the top, one of the top fly fishing rivers in all of North America as well, if not one of the most popular in the world, uh, the Deschutes River, um, which runs like right through everywhere, the area where we live. And so fly fishing is a thing. Um, mountain biking at the uh, popular mountain, Mount Bachelor here during the summer uh, is wonderful. Uh, it's downhill mountain biking course. It's completely shut down right now. Um, they closed the end of the season. Um, they usually have a July 4th, like as the skiing is done, but there's still some leftover snow. They do that like you bomb the hill and then you like ski across water and see how far someone can make it. Um, nice. and they have a big party to close down the ski season. That's all been shut down for a very long time now. Um, fortunately, we can still get outside and do like the mountain biking and the hiking and the trails and stuff um, simply just because of where we live. Whereas if you lived hours away, you, you know, we're being told not to drive, you know, inner county, interstate wise, yeah. uh, just stay in place. Thankfully, we live in a place where it's like I walk out my back door and I can be on a trail. And um, I don't know if this is, uh, and I asked this actually in an internal call today because we've got um, people distributed across a couple of countries with this situation going on. Um, but at the moment in the UK, it's uh, Mental Health Month. And I don't know if mm -hmm. that's a global thing or is it, is it something you've got in the US too? Um, we do have a Mental Health Month. I am going to like be really poor at this now because I can't remember <laughs> if it's in the US this month as well um, yeah. but I believe it might be global yeah because I, I think that's something that you you kind of touched on it mm -hmm. that that's something that is being massively affected at the moment and I think it's interesting how organizations are what organizations are doing around this with their own staff base yeah so uh GitLab specifically uh one of the reasons I left the company I was at previously and joined uh GitLab is that I feel that GitLab is in the forefront of um, mental health for of its employees. Um, as an organization, GitLab realizes that if you're not mentally uh, in the right place, in the right frame of mind, uh, or if you're not mentally well, then how yep. can you be expected to perform uh, and meet expectations? So at GitLab, uh, recently we just uh, celebrated what we called Friends and Family Day, where if anyone doesn't know, GitLab is... Um, uh, it's, it's unlimited PTO. Uh, it's, you, you can take time off whenever you want. Uh, it, you don't have to really ask or submit for time off. Uh, but we made a company wide shutdown 
on May 1st, where we closed our virtual doors to the organization and everyone, it, what it was meant to do is make sure that everyone was focusing on themselves, their family and their friends, um, trying to just uh, iterate on the fact that how important it is that we are focused, especially on family and friends and ourselves, our own mental health at this moment in time. Um, but outside of that, you know, whether there's a, a global pandemic going on or not, GitLab has always expressed how important it is to uh, put family and friends first before work and put yeah. and prioritize mental health. Uh, GitLab has plenty of offerings uh, for employees uh, to, to utilize and benefits to utilize in regards to mental health and mental well-being. Um, there are surveys sent out. Um, there was recently a survey sent out um, trying to get a pulse on how everyone's doing and feeling uh, mentally. Uh, and we have a no questions asked policy as far as if you need a day, uh, two days, three days, um, I believe 25 days in a row, uh, you, you simply just let your manager know, just say, look, I'm going to take a day. And the only ask is that if you are taking time that you just let the, the people know that would be covering your work or if you need assistance while you're out, just let them yep. know. But for reasons, you don't have to let anyone know. There's a no questions asked policy. It's just, all right, great. Thanks. We'll have your, have a wonderful time off and we'll see when you get back. Nice. Uh, and just to clarify, you said uh, PTO, PTO, which is paid time off, right? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's a term I was pretty, uh, pretty sure I knew what you meant there, <laughs> but I was like, better clarify because otherwise oh, no, it's very awkward if I go off on a, on a different uh, <laughs> tangent here. You, you were talking about the, um, about like remote working. So mm -hmm. how does that work exactly at, um, at GitLab? So, yeah. So you can work anywhere that there's Wi-Fi. Uh, now, um, unfortunately, uh, with a global organization, um, from the outside perspective, it may look like you're not allowed to live in certain countries. And that's not a preference of GitLab's per se, as much as it is um, in accordance with some government regulations. So you'll see that if you go to our hiring page, there's a list of countries that we are currently not uh, allowed to hire in. And that's either that we've hired, we've met the capacity of how many people we can have in that country as hires, or the country just doesn't allow hiring uh, uh, for whatever reason that may be. Uh, but outside of that, um, anywhere in the world that you can get a signal, you're more than welcome to work from. Now, we do uh, have a compensation base uh, that's uh, geo uh, based on geolocation. So yep. um, we have a compensation calculator that takes an average, say, of like what this this uh, role specifically makes in the Bay Area. Sure. And then based on um, your your living expenses, based on the state or the city that you live in, it calculates um, a compensation for that. Yeah. Uh, so makes it very fair. Uh, you don't, and that's one of the great things about GitLab and being remote is that GitLab is able to find talent anywhere on the globe. Whereas yep. for the longest time, it's if you're not working in the Bay Area and you're not getting talent from the Bay Area, you're missing out on the best talent. Where I think that there has been a transition, whether you think slow transition or not, there is a transition currently going on as well that. Um, is proving that not only can remote work, but there is so much amazing talent throughout the entirety of the globe 
that is now able to be tapped into based on a remote uh, remote work. Um, and I think the way that GitLab handles like the compensation calculator is extremely fair and shows that we value talent more than location. And again, just kind of reverting back what that looks like as far as, you know, being remote. So I live in Oregon. My home base is Oregon. I can travel wherever I want for as long as I want going state to state, uh, you know, country to country. Now, I, I'm not sure what the regulations are per state, per country, but like, example, if I were to go down to Costa Rica, I think I'm only allowed to be there for like, which is in South America, I'm only allowed to be there for yep. uh, three months before I have to leave that country because I'm not a citizen. Yep. So GitLab does have things in place that says, hey, if you live in, say, Oregon, you can't move you can't go stay forever in another country still being paid based on Oregon if yeah. it's a lower cost of living and so on but at, outside of that my family and I traveled all over Europe last summer um, and I worked the entire time like I was never under pressure to but I felt like hey I can work why not so I did that, that's that was gonna be my first question because obviously me and you spoke last week and i got a bit of a gauge of the fact that you are a traveling man and lived yeah. all over the uh, all over the country in Mexico I think you mentioned yep. as well so if you were to move back to uh if you were to move to the Bay Area how yeah. long would it be before the because the compensation I suspect would change mm -hmm. so how quickly is that adjusted so I believe uh and again this is something I feel that I should know but since I haven't really taken <laughs> sure. part in it yet um I've only moved uh town to town uh so far like 20 miles uh yeah. while at GitLab um six months I believe is sure. um I think is what six months or GitLab says hey if you're in this area for more than six months then we're going to we need to readjust your compensation based on where you live and uh obviously you've got a young young son as well how does um how does uh remote working affect uh being a dad with a with a young son so I previously was at an organization that is no remote work allowed. At least it's, you know, if you needed to work from home for a day, sure. But it wasn't, it wasn't prioritized and it wasn't thought to be, um, I don't know, uh, doable, I guess. But so I left once my son was born, I made the decision that I wanted to be more present in my son's life. I didn't want to sit in, uh, and this is just a personal belief. I have plenty of friends and family that love going to the office, but that just for myself, isn't what I want to do. Um, so I made the choice to leave. My wife was already working remotely and this has given me the chance to be extremely present in my son's life. I've talked about this in a blog. I've talked about this on GitLab unfiltered. Uh, I've been able to have every single meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with my family and my son. Aside from I have taken a couple solo trips, so I've missed those meals. But as far as being home, like this morning, uh, our routine is wake up, we get breakfast together as a family, uh, we eat, and then based on our schedules, either my wife will take uh, Wild, who is my son, uh, for the first couple hours, and I'll go work for a two-hour chunk, and then we'll rotate. I will take Wild and get lunch together and get him set up, and then my wife will work. And then whoever's you know, free around nap time, we'll lay our son down and then we continue that. We work in what's called a block schedule and it's been wonderful. Thankfully for us, both my wife and I work for fairly asynchronous companies, myself more so, GitLab is completely async. Everything that we do, we push um, asynchronization and async communication. Um, of course, there are times where people need to be available, yes, but 
for the most part, async communication and work is at the forefront of GitLab's message uh, as an employer. And so it gives me the time to say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, like I'm, and actually we're not supposed to apologize for that either. Like never apologize for being a parent or a friend and taking care of those duties. So just say, I have my son right now. I'm gonna be on this meeting, but I'm gonna be listening or I'm going to miss this meeting. Can you please send me the recording? And that's, that's that. But it's given me, you know, an ex amazing opportunity to be present in my son's life. Yeah, I was gonna, I was, I was gonna say, I think that that's always the hardest part of, um, of having a child. Um, mm -hmm. that suddenly you have to think about not just yourself, but you need to think about this little human that suddenly is in, li in your life and oh, it's yeah. changing everything. My, um, my sister has, um, two, I think, how old Vienna? Vienna's 27 months now. So I know it's changed Laura's life forever. And, it, and even though I'm not a dad, like it's changed my life forever, that suddenly I was down there a couple of weeks ago um, when we started opening up a little bit of the uh, COVID situation. And it's very hard when you've got a child around you to do business schools. Anything. Because they just want to be involved. Yeah, or, yeah. or that. Like, they just want to be involved in everything you do because yeah. suddenly there's, there's a different person on that screen and they're like, who is that person that's speaking to, uh, to oh, yeah. someone called Daz or for you, Daddy, at the moment? Yep. So if, if there's ever an instance where Wild wants to say hi in a meeting or jump on a meeting, he's always on it. Nice. Again, GitLab has a policy. It's written out in our handbook, which is public. Pets family members are all welcome on meetings. Nice. Uh, again, our CEO, Sid, is a pro like proponent of family first. And so just never apologize for having your kid drop in and say hi on a meeting or sit on the meeting with you. And like you said, uh, your niece, Vienna, uh, is the same as Wilder, where they see someone on the screen and all they want to do is say hi. Exactly. Like, um, so you've spoken a lot about the culture at, at GitLab, mm -hmm. but it'd be, is there anything else that from a culture perspective you think that you guys do amazingly? Because like you say, you're, you're at the forefront of remote working mm -hmm. and it's something that a lot of companies would love to do, but just don't know how to do well. So what, yeah. what do you think is about the culture that allows you to be so successful still? Well, first off, um, if anybody wants, if you go to about.gitlab.com, uh, there is a GitLab's guide to all remote and it's a free uh, uh, handbook on how to transition remotely, whether it's for the, just the current uh, environment or if you're looking to move permanently. Um, so if anybody needs any of that, feel free to check that out. You know, as far as culture and being remote and being at the forefront of that, I think GitLab has said the standard first and foremost, uh, over communicate one, write everything down document everything. Our handbook, which again is public, is over 5,000 pages. It seems overwhelming, <laughs> but it's extremely easy to search. Yeah. Uh, but everything GitLab's done since day one has been document, document, document. And if your organization doesn't currently write everything down, uh, Darren Murph, our head of remote, says it best. He says, start today because today is better than starting tomorrow, even if you wish you would have started yesterday. So start as soon as you can, writing everything down, documenting everything, especially being remote and async. You know, people may not be, I have, my manager is in, in Russia and I'm in Oregon. So our time difference is about as far apart as you can get. Yeah. And so is our distance on the globe. So if I need answers to questions and I need assistance from this and my team members completely globally dispersed, the handbook going there is so simple and so easy to find answers to. But other than that, I think, making everything open source like GitLab does, you know, sharing everything we do. We're completely transparent um, with not only the public, 
on the outside, but uh, the employees as well. Everyone is seeing the same thing, has access to the same information, the same knowledge, the same tools. Uh, but again, from a culture perspective, I mean, if you're looking to set the standard in going remote, trust is like, I mean, that's, that's like the number one thing. You can't have the same ideas or ideals that you did within the office, where I know a lot of managers in the office think that time in seat or time in office is what makes a good employee and equals good re great results when really we should only be judged on our output or our results, not on our input. If I can get the same job done in half the time that you can do it, why should I have to sit in the office for the same amount of time? Yeah. And that's not saying that one employee is better than the other. It's just saying, judge my results, not my time of my butt in my seat at the desk. And I think yeah. that, I think that's the hardest thing for people to do um, is, is have that mentality when they do switch to remote or when they are remote, just trusting your employee that, you know, just because you may not be able to get a hold of them right then and there or walk into their office doesn't mean they're not working. And, and I, I was reading one of your blogs the other day and I, I, it was talking about your journey and why mm -hmm. you moved into, um, into remote. And I find it fascinating. So if you don't mind, that'd be really good to get a bit of an understanding about the journey that moved you towards yeah, yeah, that, definitely. That, that idea. Of course. So um, this is, again, this kind of like my personal story. So a lot of it, I'll just preface as my opinion. Uh, after um, some work in the university or division one um, sports and collegiate area, um, I got into the startup world through sport, uh, which is strange. Um, I got a job offer from a company called uh, NC Fit. Um, it was a uh, corporate wellness organization uh, that had commercial gyms all over the Bay Area, but also was doing corporate wellness uh, for uh, HGST, which is Hitachi Digital. It's a storage um, company, a massive, massive um, storage company or data storage company. Uh, in Western Digital, we did uh, uh, stuff for Twitter um, and other uh, smaller organizations within the Bay Area, uh, as well as uh, a few commercial gyms, uh, including one that I opened on behalf of NC Fit in Mexico. Uh, in Cabo, uh, where we started um, NC Fit Cabo, which is more for like tourists to drop into, say, a CrossFit gym, uh, and as well as started utilizing NC Fit within hotels and resorts. Um, but from there, uh, I got my first taste of what it meant to be in the Bay Area at a small startup uh, and what the rigors were. And that race of, you know, you're always on that grind mentality, like grind, 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 grind. Yeah. Uh, and I started to realize that if you grind something down enough, there will be nothing left. After a few years, I was sitting in traffic between uh, Mountain View, Palo Alto Bay Area to Santa Clara, which is approximately like seven miles. <laughs> and it told me it was going to be a 90 minute drive home. So I was sitting in traffic and my wife did the math for me and said, yeah, so if this is a regular occurrence, you've now missed 21 days of your life this year. And I was like, what? Wow. Or 21 days of life over the past however many, uh, yeah. yeah, in one year, I believe it was. I think I did the math in my blog. And uh, I was like, are you serious? So almost a month of my life is gone. And at that moment in time, we decided to move. I put in my two weeks. We moved uh, two weeks later. We ended up, we took a 12-week road trip uh, trying to find out where we wanted to go. Um, I wasn't looking for work. I was going to take about a year off. Um, and just kind of adventure. Um, we ended up in Bend, Oregon uh, by accident. From there, I 
was reached out to from a friend that was at Zoom Video Communications. I applied mm. for a role, um, was offered the job, but it was in Denver. So moved to Denver while my wife was six months pregnant, moved to Denver, started my role at Zoom. Zoom is an amazing uh, organization. Uh, Eric Yuan, one of the greatest CEOs ever, um, very hands-on, but after almost two years, the culture there um, wasn't what I was aligned with. It was very much so, you know, working 50 hours a week. Um, my son was very young uh, at that time, uh, being just born about six months after we moved there. And I would see him for maybe 20 minutes in the morning and maybe 30 minutes in the evening. And that just yeah. wasn't working for me because I grew up a uh, single mom who was an amazing woman, but she was a nurse. So everyone knows those schedules are hectic. So sometimes I was alone for a very long time or I would go to work with my mom and I would never exchange those experiences for anything, but I just wanted something different. So I left Zoom and a lot of people think that was crazy move because, you know, Zoom is the rocket ship uh, for utilizing Zoom right now. That's a, <laughs> it's a wonderful company to be a part of. Uh, and uh, some of the like, benefits that I walked away from might not have been everyone's cup of tea, but uh, I made that choice. I was fortunate enough to be given the opportunity to work at GitLab. And it's changed everything. It's changed my idea of work. It's changed uh, my idea of how people work, how people are successful. Um, I thought it was possible, but I never knew it was possible until being at GitLab. And then I remember my first week at GitLab, my manager checked in with me one time in like five days to see if, you know, how I was doing, if I needed help with anything. And I was like, no, I'm doing great. But I felt like, I was doing something wrong because someone wasn't babysitting me. She trusted yeah. me to do the job she hired me to do. Yeah. And that was really hard for me to get a hold of because I wanted con I'm just used to constant uh, reinforcement and just being like, Hey, do this or do this better. Don't do this. And that's not what Gilab does. Gilab trusts you and empowers you to do the job you're hired to do. And that's it. Yeah. I think me and you had a back and forth last week um, because I love the idea of remote working, but it's just not for me. Like, yeah. so I'm really interested about, um, about how actually you guys do it really, really well. Cause I think that's what a lot of companies miss. I think a lot of companies mm -hmm. talk about working from home and remote working, but really do they do it effectively? I, I think that a lot of companies, not just in the UK, but globally see the idea of working from home as, as if someone gets one day working from home, we'll get like four and a half days worth of work out of them because when they're oh, at yeah. home, they don't work as effectively. But okay. I also utterly agree with what you're saying where people should be judged more on their output, not what they're putting into it. Not, it doesn't matter if you're putting in a hundred hours. If, you're, if the person that you're working alongside is working from home and putting one hour in and you're getting the same results, really you mm -hmm. need to be looking at that person working from home and say, how are you achieving what you are achieving? Mm -hmm. Because if you then can duplicate that and then put in a few more extra hours and then quadruple the, the output of that and get better results, then amazing. So I, I think it's an amazing story that you're saying that you still have been able to achieve as much as you would have been able to achieve in an office while working remotely. Yeah, so I think first and foremost, being remote, I feel which is, this is going to sound insane, but I feel more connected to my coworkers than I ever did in an office because of yeah. how intentional the communication has to be. I'm not going to pass you in the hallway. I'm not going to see you in the cafeteria. I'm not going to see you coming out of the restroom and say, Hey, how's your day going? Blah, blah, blah. I have to physically reach out to you to see how you're doing, to catch up with you, whatever it might be. Um, now, as far as work, 
there is a danger to working at home, which is your work is always with you. It's not yeah. like I can leave my computer at work and then, oh, well, I can't work at home because I don't have my, no, I'm always working. I'm literally, that is the hardest thing for me to do is to turn off. I will yep. want to open my computer, check my phone for any messages. I've had to work very hard at shutting my computer and walking away. I do work asynchronously. So I'll work a couple hours in the morning, a couple hours in the evening, a couple hours in the afternoon. I'll never work six to eight hours straight. I, in my personal experience for myself, that's not healthy. I don't have that attention span. Um, so to put that into like references in the office and why I think that this is able to be done successfully is that if you break down your day in the office where you get in, I mean, I could reference office space. I don't know how many people have seen this movie, but you know, you get <laughs> into work it. and for like the first 15, 20 minutes, you kind of space out until yeah. you kind of get organized. Um, when I was in the office, I would show up to work 7 a.m. every morning. I would get coffee because uh, the office space I had had coffee and food. So I'd get coffee, I'd get breakfast, whatever it was. By the time I actually sat down to work, I'd already been at work for anywhere from half hour to 45 minutes. And then depending on who yep. I would talk to, then my day would start. I'd work for an hour or so. By that time, it was 10, 1030. Walk around, say hi, go get some lunch, come back. And after lunch, everyone knows that last, yeah. that half hour to 45 minutes after lunch is more of like a digestion period of, yeah. man, I'm, it's kind of that lull. Then you get that little spike of energy for the last 30, 45 minutes, and then you're out the door. And then on Fridays, my personal experience working on Fridays is that, especially in sales, no one's around on Fridays. So why am I here? There were times that on Fridays where I was like, up, like, scrolling through LinkedIn, reading stories that had nothing to do with work, um, just simply because there was no work to be done. Um, yeah. I could prep for Monday, but that wouldn't take extremely long, especially when I was making outbound calls. I could make a call list, but I couldn't make those calls. I think that while being at home, you kind of work in this ultra focus, like block schedule. Whereas once you are comfortable being at home, you you, when you do sit down to open your computer or to start work, you're just zoned in. In my personal experience, as soon as I open my computer, I'm in it. I am yep. working. I'm dived in. I've got my Slack open. I've got my calendar open. I'm attending meetings. I'm knocking this out. And I can feel confident knowing that for that hour, two hours, I did nothing but work. And I, my results speak for that work that I did. I don't need to feel like I need to go back and add filler when it's not necessary in filler as in just being available, you know? And, and again, I completely understand those that aren't comfortable working remotely or don't want to. I miss the social aspect of work. I'm a people person. I love being around people. I love knowing, like seeing you every day. I love knowing what you've been up to. And it just takes a little extra effort being remote to get that interaction. But again, I completely understand. I did enjoy like the, a little bit of time in my car, like driving, listening to music, listening to a podcast, getting ready for the day or on the way home, you know, the same thing. But now being remote, I completely see that my results have uh, been exponentially greater because not only do I feel responsible to those results and that I need to be or responsible for the trust that I've been given. Sure. So it makes me turn on uh, during that time that I'm working and like, you know, I'm trusted to do this job. No one's standing over me saying, Hey, you need to do this or babysit me. So it kind of yep. puts me in that zone. Like I mentioned earlier.
And you've got a really interesting background that you moved from sales to, to a recruitment background. And you, yeah. you spoke last week about how passionate you are or always wanted to get more recruitment. Whereas at least uh, from my personal perspective, and I've done it myself, I see that people move from recruitment to sales. Not very often people move from sales to recruitment. So yeah. I guess what, what was that journey for you? Why, why were you so passionate about going into recruitment? So a lot of people, even uh, when I was making the move, a lot of people let you know, like, hey, you know, sales is where financially, uh, if you're meeting your goals, that's, that's it. Like, you can continue to grow um, and exceed these goals and things like that. When you move out of sales, it's not really like you, you still have your salary, but it's not like you're getting the kickbacks or the compensation bonuses for meeting goals and yeah. things. So I did have to kind of accept that. But after being in sales for such a long time and being successful in it and, and still loving it, like I love this interaction to be able to just chat with someone, get to know them, what their needs are, what problems they're having and how they would like those to be solved and what I could offer to help solve those. I do enjoy that. What kind of got to, to me over time was that daily restart. And again, sure. every job, no matter what you do is monotonous. You'll repeat some of the same things every single day, but I found that once I would say close an account or set this meeting, it was kind of like, okay, on to the next one. I never really sure. got to see that grow or flourish or how that added to the business. Now in recruiting, what has drawn me to recruiting so much is that I can be responsible uh, for a person's journey, not only in like say GitLab, but professionally as well. I think what's really cool is that um, I, I, I recently sourced a candidate and, you know, we had these interactions outside of them being an employee at GitLab. And then we had GitLab virtual contribute and we both signed on like at the same time. And it says such and such has signed on JD Alex has signed on. And I was like, you know what? That's really cool. I can see that this person's here now. And now in a year, two years, I can see where they're at, what value they've added to the company, what GitLab was able to do for them as well, how they've grown and just really build the company, the organization from the people side, not just the monetary and the revenue side. And that's been really important to me. And that's kind of why I've wanted to be in recruiting for so long. Amazing. And how has the, the current situation changed uh, recruitment mm -hmm. at GitLab? And I guess yeah. working at GitLab as well. Of course, yeah, yeah. So recruiting at GitLab, again, for the longest time we've been thinking about going to a fully sourced model to where we have what's called a talent community where if you want um, or you're interested in learning more about working at GitLab, you fill out a talent community profile, which houses mm -hmm. your resume and any necess necessary materials. And you put that in the talent community. We will always search through the talent community when jobs open, uh, who's been there. So let's say like an opening for a backend engineer comes up. We will search our talent community first for any relevant uh, profiles. Um, and contact those people before we do that search. Uh, with the current uh, environment, it kind of just fast forwarded what we were already working towards, where sure. we just switched to a fully outsourced or a fully sourced model to where we are not necessarily accepting applications anymore. Every recruiter or sourcer is outbound. We are going out and we are searching for um, every, every person we want to re uh, fill these roles. Uh, that's kind of really been the, the big change. Um, and uh, it's, again, it's something we were leaning towards. It just kind of fast forwarded it. It's been wonderful. Of course, since I'm already a sourcer, it was, uh, it was cool just to see how much faith, um, you know, C-level and above have and our execs and team leads have in sourcing 
uh, and our sourcing team and recruiting team to build the best organization and find the best people. Recruiting at GitLab has been wonderful uh, simply because how transparent we are. People think, mm -hmm. I honestly thought it was a, all a facade. Like I think I wrote about it in another blog is that how I thought there is no possible way this company as is culturally diverse, as culturally forward thinking, as transparent, as trusting as they are. I was like, this is bogus. And then after my first week, I was like, there is no way. After interviews, I was like, wow, this is real. And I think that that really surprises people the most when I reach out to them, like, hey, here's our handbook. It literally lists anything and everything you need to know. 5,000 pages worth. There's not one question that you have that's not answered. Feel free to reach out to me if there's anything that you need. Um, our jobs, we're completely transparent about. You can find out how much you're going to get paid or how much it's being paid prior to ever having that conversation. And that's all transparency. And I think as much as organizations are afraid of that, I think in the world we live in, it's almost impossible to not be. Yeah, and they, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think transparency is, is huge. There's a lot of organizations, like you said, that are scared to give away salary. But I think if you're scared to give away the, the salary that you're going to be offering or people offering in the business, in reality, there's probably something broken mm -hmm. internally at the moment. Because if you're scared to say to a candidate, by the way, um, when you move into an organization, don't talk about your salary. It's probably because someone that is sitting in their team is 15K below them in salary. Yeah. Because you've never looked at internally, okay, how do we structure everyone on a, on a fair uh, remission? So I think it's and great that you guys are doing it already. I couldn't agree more with what you just said. It's, it's this kind of this old standing rule that says, oh, you can't talk about salary. And yeah. I, I don't know where that came from. I think that it's healthy to discuss salary internally. I think it gives everyone a voice and it makes everyone feel valued knowing that, you know, we're getting paid to do a job and it, it's, it's not based on anything other than, hey, this is the job that you're getting paid for. And uh, you're, again, based on your results, this is what that job pays. Everyone has the ability to see that. And I think, again, that just comes down to having transparency as a core value. I guess my next question is actually kind of a loaded question. Let's see if you mm -hmm. throw yourself on a little bit under the bus here. I know from my personal perspective, we, we spoke about it a little bit earlier offline, but you're pretty much as big a sports fan as I am in terms of you yeah. watching a lot of sport by the sounds of it. I think yeah. my struggle would be that as soon as I start working remotely, firstly, I wouldn't turn myself off so I'd miss a lot of sport. But if mm -hmm. there was sport on while I'm working, I think I would find it hard to not watch sport. So I guess what is the, what's, the, um, what's your winning factor if you have to give like, your best tip for working remotely and ignoring the, um, the, the distractions um, when you are during that, um, mm -hmm. during that period? How, what would you say your biggest tips? Well, in being transparent, I can say that there are times, especially during, you know, NBA playoffs, uh, during, uh, thankfully, F1 is not on really during my working <laughs> yeah, hours. Yeah. I should be shut off at between 11 and 7 a.m., uh, yeah. 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. to watch F1. Uh, but even some of the soccer and football matches that I watch are super late at night or strange hours. Yeah. In transparency, sometimes they're on. But if, for the most part, this is how I work. Um, I have my laptop right here in front of me. I have my phone. I have my coffee. There's no distractions in the room that I'm in right now. There's no TV. There's no nothing. Um, doesn't mean I don't have Twitter or I don't have ESPN app or anything like that. Yeah. And I do. I go down the rabbit hole. I think the biggest thing is just to, you know, you have to understand that distractions happen. All right. You, you need to set 
set routine, set boundaries, but you also need to be fluid with those boundaries. Um, I actually, it's not posted yet, but I, I'm working on a, a blog that ends with a quote from Bruce Lee uh, about nice. being water and about uh, from the movie, Enter the Dragon. And uh, I know um, Kung Fu and working remotely probably aren't the same, but I just like how he said, you know, be formless, be like water. You know, if water's in a cup, it takes the shape of a cup. If water's flowing through a river, it's flowing at that speed, uh, be like water. And I think being remotely, you have to be like water, you know, um, for the most part, every single day of, for me is the same just as I was in the office. You know, I have my morning routine. I start my work day. I work for a couple hours undistracted and I move on. Or I have to understand that distractions will happen. I will have appointments. I will have to take my son somewhere. My son may be throwing a tantrum. My wife may need me because of an emergency meeting she has. And I think knowing that that doesn't ruin anything that you're doing, that doesn't put a black mark on any work you've ever done in, in being understanding of that uh, on a personal level is really the number one thing you can do is just, again, understanding that it is work. It is extremely important. You are providing for your family. You are building an organization or, or contributing to an organization. But at the end of the day, it is just work. It is your job. It is not yeah. who you are. Yeah. So be able to walk away if you need to. And when you don't, then you just, it's, it comes down to being focused on, on work and however you do that best. I know some people that could have, you know, I have a friend of mine that still works in a previous company and they're remote right now. He watches movies all day long while he works. Yep. He is, he is a team lead. He is a phenomenal team lead. He is phenomenal at his job. He knows every in and out of their product but he somehow can be watching like Lord of the Rings and back down and back down. And whereas myself, no, I would start to like leave. Exactly. So I just know myself personally what I need to do to get work done. Exactly. I started watching um, uh, The Last Dance, the uh, yeah. Michael, Jordan Michael Jordan documentary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I started watching that and really struggled. I had that on in the, uh, in the background when I was doing some admin the other day. And I have learned personally, I cannot work while nope. I've got a distraction there. I have to be all in the zone. I am the same exact way. I cannot have anything on or I will just devote all my attention to that. And that's just, I think we talked earlier like about gaming. Like I cannot play video games because yeah. all of my attention will be on video games. Yeah. So that's just knowing yourself personally and how you work best. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But is there anything else that you would, uh, that you want to cover firstly or anything else that you would advise anyone uh, when looking at working from home? You know, I think that if you're not currently working from home and you're looking to make a move to working from home, I think uh, if you do love the work that you do, and uh, again, I think it's been proven that all work um, can be done remotely, especially in the world we're in now. Sure. Obviously, if you're, if you're, you're Renault and you're building cars, you yeah. really can't build cars outside of building cars in person. But aside from that, um, I think that you should speak to your team lead first. I think you should express your desire to work remotely. I think you should sure. be open and transparent if, that, if the organization allows for it. Um, and maybe work out some sort of situation where, you know, uh, a lot of organizations you see right now, I don't think will be moving to remote only right away. I think they'll have some sort of hybrid system for people that want to be partially remote, partially in office. Um, and maybe that's the first step. Longevity wise, I don't think that that's something that will be, healthy for everyone. 
Um, eventually, I think it's either you're all in or all out. But I think that's the first step. Um, seeing how you work remotely, seeing again, you know, how you handle distractions and um, setting up your workspace, things like that. I think that's the first step. If if working remotely is something you've never done and it terrifies you and you're still struggling, even in, you know, being mandated to work remotely right now, it being is very difficult for you. I think looking at organizations, every all the content that Hack a Job is putting out, all the content that GitLab is putting out, all the content under why Twitter just released that they're going to allow employees to work fully remotely forever. Look at organizations like this and why they're doing it and why they think it can be successful or why they're proving that it can be successful and kind of see how you align with some of the things they're saying and the values and then start there. As the whole world is finding out, working remotely does not happen overnight. Being good at being a remote worker doesn't happen overnight. It takes practice. It takes patience. It takes a lot of stress and headache sometimes uh, to be, you know, there are days where I am so distracted that I feel like I've worked 30 minutes, but knowing that again, your results are what's important, not necessarily how much time you put into those results. As long as those results, your the output is there and you're, you're meeting your expectations, then I think that's all that we should be worried about. But again, um, there's plenty of resources out there. GitLab, everything we do is free. Everything uh, for you to see. There's the all remote handbook. Um, there's going remote um, and how to do that. There's remote for parents, um, first time remote workers. Uh, and that's not just GitLab. Uh, I pride myself on GitLab's content, but there are a lot of organizations out there producing content as well. But yeah, I feel like ours is the best. But, I, <laughs> <laughs> but whatever you can do to learn uh, and accept again, the fact that it doesn't happen overnight, it takes practice, takes patience. I'm multiple years in and I'm learning something new about being remote every day. So uh, I guess you, you said a lot of really interesting things during this. So I suspect we're going to get a lot of people that are quite interested in reaching out to you. Yeah. So where can people find you if they, uh, if they want to reach out to you and ask any questions? Yeah, of course. So you can, my email is open. It's jdalex, so j-d-a-l-e-x at gitlab.com. My LinkedIn is the same. It's LinkedIn backslash jdalex. And my Twitter handle is I'm really bad at memorizing my Twitter handle. Um, so I'm pulling okay, it up. You Twitter, um, all right. All right. Well, I enjoy, uh, I'm a, I'm a tweeter. Uh, it's JD underscore A L E X. Um, and that is a mix of my life and my profession and my love for and passion for remote and people. Um, I like to call myself not necessarily a sorcerer, but a bridge builder uh, between right. people and opportunity. Uh, and that's what I'm here to do. So if anyone has any questions uh, whatsoever, feel free to reach out to me on any of those platforms. Um, and I will reach out back. Yeah, I was going to say you're very quick at reaching out back. I, uh, yeah. After we spoke last week, I think I sent it across to you, just thanking you for, for your time on that initial call. And I think you came back in about four minutes. And I was yeah, like, wow, no, okay, this uh, guy is very receptive. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. When I'm, on, when, I'm, when I'm in that zone, when I'm working, it's on. So... Um, and then if people want to reach out to myself or to reach out to HackerJob, if you reach out to hello at hackerjob.co, um, we'll answer everything from there. So thanks for your time, guys. And thank you very much, JD, for your time. Yes, thank you, Darren and everyone at HackerJob. This has been a wonderful experience.